This episode, I will be covering the privileged background of a depraved man named Yurik Chatting, who met a single working mother, Sumarti Ningxi, in Hong Kong. Warning! Me Time and Murder is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) Dead on the bathroom floor with a throat. (sighs) Oh god. Oh dear. Yurik Jutting was born London in 1985. Yurik, a Russian imperialist dynasty name, literally translates to the Great One. With a name like that, unsurprisingly, Yurik displayed feelings of superiority and entitlement from a young age. Coming from a privileged background, in his teens, Yurik was accepted into the prestigious private school Winchester College. Although this was great, there was some trauma for the young Yurik, as at this school, he was unfortunately sexually assaulted by another student. Yurik had problems at school, but he also had problems at home. As a teen, Yurik also dealt with a lot of stress over the knowledge of his parents' poor marriage and his mother's health problems. As if Yurik didn't have enough problems as a teen, when he was 16 and home, Yurik walked in on his father attempting to complete suicide. Yurik's father had slashed his own wrists and it was Yurik who walked in on him. Yurik had to stop the blood flow and bring his father to the hospital. Unsurprisingly, after his sexual assault and his father's attempted suicide, Yurik did see a psychiatrist to deal with his mental health issues as well as his own suicidal ideations. But despite all these battles, Yurik excelled academically, going on to attend the University of Oxford. Here, he was known to be shy around girls, but ambitious. A keen athlete, intelligent, committed to his studies and his Catholic faith. Eventually, he graduated with a degree in history and law and immediately started his financial career working for Barclays Bank. Only a few years later, by 2010, he was working for Bank of America Merrill Lynch in London, eventually making a salary of £270,000 a year. Unbeknownst to Yurik, this is where his life would peak. Things started to go downhill and fast. In 2012, while marketing a tax product, auditors began investigating his team for possible violation of regulations, flagging up Yurik in particular as a serious risk to the organisation. Also around this time, Yurik began heavily consuming alcohol and cocaine. I don't know why I said it like that. In October 2013, Merrill Lynch moved the risky Yurik to the Hong Kong branch. It's a long flight from UK to HK. So Yurik had to take matters into his own hands and smuggled cocaine up his butt. In Hong Kong, Yurik moved into a pricey and luxurious apartment building in Wan Chai. This is where Yurik Jutting lived. Very fancy residence, very expensive. Apparently there is a bar on the top, a rooftop bar, but I don't think they're going to let us in. Wan Chai is a very busy clusterfuck of people and things on Hong Kong Island, with many corporate offices, government buildings and finance. But Wan Chai is also known for being a party district, with nightclubs that go on until the early morning and a place where you can buy drugs and sex. 
At Merrill Lynch, Yurik continued to work on tax minimization trades. And again, his department was under scrutiny again from prosecutors, regulators, tax collectors, and the bank's own compliance department. Yurik drank more, eventually needing three quarters of a bottle of vodka just to fall asleep. When writing this case, I thought that Yurik was thriving in Hong Kong. I thought he was out drinking and partying every night with lots of friends and girlfriends, like a lot of foreign bankers do in Hong Kong. But this was not the case for Yurik. He did not thrive in Hong Kong. Instead, he felt increasingly despondent and nihilistic. He didn't go out and socialise. Instead, he spent long hours at home, drinking alone while playing video games alone. Although he was making frequent use of the nearby sex workers. There's a picture of Yurik with a couple of maybe sex workers and it's taken from above and it's shot down and this might be where he used to drink frequently with his sex workers. You can see that it's attached to the J residence building. Now, Yurik had been using sex workers since London, like since his early 20s. But over the years, his sexual taste developed. He was now obsessed with sadistic pornography. He demanded more and more increasingly forceful sex from the sex workers. On a number of occasions, he secretly removed condoms during sex without consent. This constitutes rape. By 2014, Yurik's life was out of control. He was going on cocaine binges that lasted for days, eventually craving it all the time. Not smart. One time when he was high or hungover or both, he missed a scheduled meeting in London. And as an excuse, he lied and told his boss that he had HIV. This, of course, was a lie. I just said that. His weight ballooned and eventually he just stopped going to work altogether. Choosing instead of going to work, to watch and read violent pornography. Who reads violent pornography? On Monday, the 19th of October, 2014, Yurik handed in his notice at Merrill Lynch. That same week, Saturday, the 25th of October, 2014, only a year after moving to Hong Kong, Yurik took 25-year-old Miss Sumarti Ningsi to his flat, offering to pay her for sex. And we know what kind of sex he's looking for. Sumarti Ningsi was born in Indonesia on the 22nd of April in 1991. She graduated from elementary school, got married and got pregnant all by the age of 17. Turns out she picked a pretty sucky husband because just before the baby was born, he left her. She was only 18. In 2012, only 40 days after giving birth to her child, Sumarti packed up her stuff and moved to Hong Kong. She was committed to supporting her son and her parents. Sumarti worked as a domestic helper for over two years, going by the English name Alice, sending money home to her family every month. When she returned to Indonesia in 2013, she attended a five-month DJ training course. Then, in August 2014, she returned to Hong Kong, hoping to pursue her dream of becoming a DJ. Flying to Hong Kong on a tourist visa instead of a work visa, she told her family not to worry. She was going to get under the table money for all this DJing. She told them, remember, I will be home on the 2nd of November. Do not worry. Only a few months away. 
Sumarti's parents didn't know how she was making so much money, enough money to send home every month, when she had told them that she was working in a cafe. But it is pretty safe to say that Sumarti was not working in a cafe. Doubtful it would have paid enough to send money home. So we know that she was dabbling in sex work, which is fine. And this is unfortunately how she met 29-year-old Yurik Judding. They had had sex once before in a hotel, but when things turned violent, Smarty ended things early and refunded Yurik half of his money. On this second occasion, Smarty probably thought that Yurik now knew her boundaries and wouldn't push his luck. She went up to his apartment. But just like the last time, the sex quickly changed to non-consensual. And it gets dark. It gets dark from here. When Samarty refused and resisted to partake in the violent sex acts, Yurik began beating Sumarty. And over the next few hours, Yurik held Sumarty captive. This is when he tortured her with his hands, sex toys, his belt and pliers. Unfortunately for the eventual jury in this case, Yurik filmed the whole thing, the whole torture over three days on his iPhone. It was first-hand evidence. On the third day, the 27th of October 2014, Yurik made Sumarti kneel over the toilet bowl with her hands tied behind her back and lick the inside of the toilet bowl. While she did so, he slit her throat with a serrated knife. Tragically, Sumardi did not die immediately. While she gasped for air, Rurik dragged her into the shower and continued to slice at her throat, almost completely decapitating her. After the brutal murder, Yurik recorded several videos again on his iPhone describing the process, the event, as well as the aftermath. Having only handed in his month's notice uh, a few days ago, he thought it imperative right now to change his outgoing email quote letter auto response thing and the message read quote I am out of the office indefinitely. For urgent inquiries, or indeed any inquiries, please contact someone who is not an insane psychopath. For escalation, please contact God. Though, suspect the devil will have more custody. Last line only really worked if I had followed through. I think this implies he was going to kill himself. Was. After doing admin... He wrapped up Sumarti's body in towels and placed her into a large black suitcase, which he dragged out and left on his balcony. And we can see the balconies, which is where he stored the suitcase with his, vic with his first victim inside. Yurik then immediately started planning for his second murder, which we will get into next episode. As always, I'm going to thank the Me Time and Murder patrons. Renee, Stephanie, Emer, Justin, Vicky, Deborah, Jem, Toya, 
Laura, Jason and Terry, Sydney and Andrew, Karen, Liana, Angelina, and Sarah. I'm sure you have noticed that Me Time and Murder is a little different. We have decided that I will continue the podcast. So I want to say to my patrons, thank you so much for your support. Thank you, Renee, Stephanie, Emer, Justin, Vicky, Deborah, Jen, Toya, Laura, Jason and Terry, Sydney, Karen, Liana, Sarah, Angelina, Lou Marie, Sarah G, Kirsty B, Francesca. Part two is out next week. Bye.